Well, it's my privilege this morning to introduce uh, someone that I've known since 19, I believe probably 1981 or 82, which is how long I've been in ministry. And uh, this, I, I could, uh, he's the president of our denomination. He has been for the last year and a half. And um, I, could, I could tell you all of his titles, but the nice things about Creekside is we're not real impressed with titles. Uh, we're really more impressed, if that's the good word, about what we can do with our life. And that's what I love about this man. It's not so much all of the different titles and leadership positions that he's held with Open Bible, but two things. He's a leader and a lover of Jesus Christ. And I suppose the one thing that I would say, and I think I wrote this to him after he was elected, I said, Randall, one of the things I appreciate about you, I've sat in board meetings with him and been around him. He doesn't, he, he's one of these leaders that doesn't always have to say something. Have you ever been in a meeting with people that you know, they just got to talk to talk? They got to say something to say something, and you go, what, what's, what's, what's the value of that? He wouldn't do that. I loved when I was on the national board with him, he would sit around and he would wait and everybody would talk and talk and talk. And then he wouldn't add anything until probably second or third of the last person. And then he'd say something, and wherever he said it, it always brought weight to the situation. And, and I just kind of paid attention to that because I said, you know, Lord, kind of give me that way about me. So I don't have to just talk and say something to say something. But when I say something, it has weight to it. And I believe that that's what he'll do this morning and, and bring to the life of our church. So he is the president of Open Bible Standard Churches. He is my ultimate boss. I have about three or four of them. And, um, but uh, he's my ultimate boss. And we are privileged. This is the first uh, president we've ever had at church here. And uh, so we want to welcome him with a wonderful Creekside welcome. Randall Bach. Thank you so much. Thank you. Deeply, deeply appreciate that wonderful introduction, and I just believe I should probably remain silent all morning. <laughs> I have nowhere to go down. I open my mouth, and I'll make matters worse. <laughs> it is such a joy for us to be here with you today. We're very honored, been looking forward to it. Barbara, my wife, just go ahead and stand since you're standing. <laughs> Also photographer, we've been looking forward to being with you because we know so many good things about you. Number one, we know about Pastor Terry and Trina. Uh, you have quality people here. See, we, we get around. We know. Okay? You have quality pastors here. And just from the other people I've met here, you do all right. You've got good people around here. And you're contributing to that. I, I can tell there's, there's a spirit here that's glorifying to Jesus. So... Our first and foremost reason for coming here today is to say thank you. Thank you for being witnesses for the liberating, grace-filled message of Jesus to this greater community that you're endeavoring to reach. Thank you for doing that. Thank you also for partnering with us as a part of Open Bible Churches because together we do things we couldn't do individually from here and all the way around the world. And I want to thank you for your prayerful and your financial support in those ministries as well. Barbara and I have so enjoyed this last week being here. We've been on vacation. Actually, this vacation is to also celebrate our 42nd wedding anniversary. Thank you. Barbara was 10 and I was 12, and we have... <laughs> One of the things that's been on my punch list for so long, I mean, we've been up and down the coast over the years, 
came up Highway 1 the other day, yesterday, and just love and delight that. And that. One of the things I've never done is go to Yosemite National Park. Yeah, it's about time. You know what I learned? These two people haven't even been there yet. And they don't know I'm going to say this. There's no collusion here. I think somebody here ought to send them there and make sure they get there, huh? Spend a few days at Yosemite. We've never been there before, and lo and behold, look at what we found when we were there. I'm sitting in my car. That's a segue. (laughs) And look at what we found. We're driving down the road early morning. I mean, I've seen bears in the zoo. I've seen them on TV, but this is the real deal. And I see this little tiny bears behind just disappearing off the road into the bush. And it was so early, there's no one behind us on the road. I stopped to see if I could find him. And I looked up, and there he was, scurrying up the tree. And I looked at the next tree, and lo and behold, he had a brother or a sister also going up there. There were three cubs all together. And yes, we remained in the car because soon there was a huffing sound. His mother came zooming by the front of the car and into the brush. And these little guys scampered down and took after mom. What a delight. It was like a special anniversary gift, we figured, for us to be able to see those little bears on that trip. So if those of you who've been to Yosemite, you know what a treasure it absolutely is. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about levels of relationship. I remember the first close buddy I had. It was in kindergarten. Went to kindergarten, and Dan Merklin and I just seemed to hit it off. How do you describe, how do you analyze why friendships take place? I mean, they just do, right? There's a chemistry there. We didn't fill out an application or anything in kindergarten. No, it, just, it just worked. It clicked. And, and we just would hang out together. We'd always sit by each other out in the playground. We'd always make sure we were on the same team. We would just do stuff together. That's just the way it was. And I remember one of the most vivid memories I have is when we were uh, sitting around a circle, and I think we'd had a rest time or something like that. We'd taken our shoes off, and it was time to put our shoes back on. One little problem. I had come to school not knowing how to tie my shoes. I'd been too busy. (laughs) And I think Mom and Dad took care of it for me. Sitting around the circle, and the teacher says, time to tie your shoes. Put your shoes on. And I remember distinctly, this many years later, that was just yesterday, I remember this many years later, the sense of panic that I felt. Everybody else was tying their shoes. I still don't wear tie shoes today. I just traumatized them so much. But I couldn't. My buddy Dan, sitting next to me, recognized that. He just reached over and tied my shoes for me. That's what friendship's all about, isn't it? That's what friendship's all about. Years later, I went on to college and been all over everywhere, and Dan's remained in that, my hometown. And many years later, just a few years ago, in fact, I went back to my hometown. I gassed up the car, uh, was walking into the gas station. This guy comes walking out of the gas station. And we do one of these kind of things, you know, kind of like... Dan... Merklin? Randall Bach? We shook hands, and then he stepped back, and he wrinkled up his face and pointed a finger at me and said, You look old! (laughs) Dan's no longer my friend. (laughs) What are friends for, huh? 
Well, there are many levels of relationship that we have in life. And I'd like to look at this little graphic put up here. Just four levels of relationship I want to refer to this morning. The first one has to do with just awareness. That's when you're just aware that there are people around you. You may not know them at all. You just have an awareness that they are there. The second level you move into, which is a, more of a, a level of intimacy, I would say, would be the level of acquaintance. By now, you know them by name. may not know much more than that. You may know where they work. You at least know who they You recognize them when you see them. The next level would be what I would call a friend. A friend is someone that you know a lot more about them. They're the kind of person that if you have a choice, you want to spend time with them. You know, you may have awareness of people. You may even have acquaintances, not necessarily the people you'd want to spend time with all the time, all right? But the friend is the kind, of, the kind of person that if I get a chance, I'd like to hang out with that person. And then there's one other level I would talk about, and that is confidant. And that's the kind of person that they're safe. You know, a confidant is that kind of person that you know you could tell all your stuff you know, all the, de- all the things you're dealing with in life, and it's safe, it's going to stay there. There aren't many of those kinds of people, are there? Yeah. I mean, that only comes along once in a rare while, and when you find them, you know that they are worth their weight in gold. They're the kind of person that if the rest of the world turned against you, they'd stand up for you and say, oh, no, no, wait a minute. No, I know him. No, I, I know her. That's- you got it wrong. That's not who that person is. Levels of relationship that we have throughout life. There are also levels of relationship with God. And if we would take that same graphic and just flip it a little bit, and we would say that there are these, also these relationships as well. First of all, there is general awareness. There are people who would say, do you believe in God? Well, yeah, hey, yeah. God, Allah, Buddha, man upstairs, uh, you know, I'm aware there's some entity out there probably somewhere. That's an awareness. But then we move to a next level of relationship, and that is what I would call confessional. That means when I sort all this out and realize there is a true God, one true God, not a multiple choice kind of thing, there is a God, and his son's name is Jesus. And I make a confessing statement of saying, I believe Jesus is the son of God. And I ask him to forgive me of my sins and I know he will be faithful to do that and he makes me whole, he makes me right before God, not because of all of my good stuff or my bad stuff. He takes it all and he washes me all up and makes me clean before him as a gift and I have a relationship with him. That's a confessional relationship with Jesus. Jesus said to the disciples, his followers, who do men say that I am? Well, some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're Jeremiah. One of the prophets returned. And then Jesus said to them, but wait a minute. Who, who, who do you, who do you say that I am? And Peter, who we're going to read about in just a bit, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's a confessional kind of relationship. But then there's a step closer, a nudge closer to the Lord God. And that's what I would call a disciple. And a disciple is someone who says, I really want to be a follower of Jesus. It's it's more than just saying, yeah, I believe and he's forgiven my sins and now I'm going to go on and do my stuff. The disciple says, Lord, I want you to be involved in my life totally. I want to follow you. In fact, I want to read your word and I want to ask you to help me, Lord, to apply that word to my life. Shape me, mold me. Help me to be somebody I could not be in myself. Help me to be a disciple and a follower of the Lord Jesus. 
And then there's one more level, and that's the person who would say, I know I've been called with the Lord to serve him. God has somehow impressed upon me that I'm to serve him with my life. Now, Pastor Terry would be but one of those. And it doesn't mean you just have to be a pastor to be called. There are lots of callings. But it means this. I am giving my life totally to him. It will not be my life to run and decide. It will be his life. And I will do what he asks me to do. What's your relationship with God? Where are you on that graph? We're all in journey somewhere in a relationship with him. And sometimes, you know how this is, sometimes it's possible to have a totally inaccurate assessment of someone because you don't know them. You know that feeling? When you think you've, you know, it was, you've been at that awareness stage or maybe even the acquaintance stage and you kind of size them up. Am I the only one who ever does that? You know that you do. You all kind of size them up and you figure you kind of got this person figured out. And then when you get to know them, you think, oh, she wasn't anything like I thought at all. Or he wasn't anything like I thought at all. Same thing happens with God. We get this preconceived notion, concept of who God is and what he is. And if he doesn't follow our script, we get an idea of how we think he is. And then as we get to know him, we learn to know him, we realize how much he's different than that. How much he truly loves us. Let me tell you this little story about a friend of mine that tells me about God's desire to deepen that relationship with us. David and Teresa became grandparents for the first time. And uh, isn't grandparenting great, all of you? I love that. And uh, they became grandparents for the first time, and they knew that at some point this little baby was going to come and stay with them, so they had this extra room. They outfitted it as a nursery, as only a grandma can do, and just had this thing. I mean, every possible contraption was there, you know, in that place. And so sure enough, the day came when that little baby came to stay with them. And David was sitting over in the chair watching as Teresa, his wife, took that little baby and scooped that baby up in her arms. And it was just walking, you know, as only women can do. You know, we men are sitting over here saying, isn't that something to see? Someday that baby's going to be able to throw a ball. Now we're going to have fun with that baby, right? <laughs> and, and it was time she, was, she would just cuddle and coo, 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 and David was just enjoying this, and it's time to put that baby down for a nap, so she takes that baby in and tucks him in in that crib. And at that time, they didn't have video cameras, or they would have had it, but they had a microphone in there so that you could hear everything and hear when that baby's awake. So tucks that baby in, comes in, and sits back down in the living room, and David is just watching all of this. And she t- tunes her ear in to the frequency of that speaker. And listens, and listens. David's reading, looking over. You know, Teresa's still listening, you know, reading. And then, sure enough, over that speaker comes a little sound of that baby. And David said, Teresa leaped up out of her chair, <laughs> ran in. Pretty soon comes out with that little baby, and you know it starts all over again. Oh, <laughs> And David was marveling at the joy of this grandma, of the delight she had of not just knowing about this baby, but being able to hold this baby, of being able to lavish her love upon this baby. David had one of those moments when several of you have probably had one of these moments when, you know, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. may not be that voice. I've never heard a voice, but I've heard God speak to my heart and spirit. And David said he's sitting there, and God said to him, David, you see that delight that Teresa had for your grandchild? 
how much she was looking forward to that grandchild waking up so that she could hold him. David, that's how I feel about you. I wait for you to wake up. The word says he never sleeps. I wait for you to wake up so that I can spend the day with you. That's how much I love you. Wow. A God who loves us in that way, who desires to have that closer kind of relationship with us. You know, Jesus' followers, his disciples who had chosen, were moving from confessional to disciple and called state. It's a, it's a process for all of us. And during that process, they didn't really know him, but they were getting to know him. Those are levels of intimacy, of knowing him. In fact, Jesus once protested to them and said, have I been with you so long and yet you still don't understand? You still don't get this, you know? They, they had this kind of this little tussling match going on in terms of getting to know one another. One of the dynamics that are taking place when we read about Jesus and his disciples is they're getting to know him better in order to understand him better. Catch that? When you get to know someone better, you understand them more, don't you? Works for people, and it works with God. The more you spend time in his word, the more you spend time in prayer, the more you develop that relationship with him, and out of that relationship comes a greater understanding of who he is. With that thought in mind, let's go to Luke chapter 5 this morning. I want us to look at the story of Peter, who had been a follower, been a confessional relationship with Jesus. And Jesus was now saying, I want to invite you to walk more closely with me. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners on the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Picture what happened. Peter, professional fisherman, fishing all night, tired. I don't know about you. I, I, I don't mind hard work. I like hard work, but I hate hard work and have nothing to show for it. Huh? That's where Peter was. Like, ah, you know, one of those kinds of things. <laughs> but he was a good professional fisherman, so he's... He's folding, washing, mending his nets, getting them all ready in the boat for the next day because that's what he would do the next day. Can't wait to get home and get some Z's, you know. He's tired. Probably that sun coming up on that shimmering waters is probably just, you know, in the back of his eyes is like a hammer pounding, you know, one of those kinds of feelings. And Jesus comes along, and wherever Jesus would go, people would flock around him. He's on this beach, and people couldn't see 
They couldn't hear. And Peter, and he goes down to Peter and says, Peter, let me borrow your boat. So they go out on the sh- from the shore just a little bit. Now, if you picture that scene, whereas everyone had been packed around Jesus, couldn't see and couldn't hear. Now, all of a sudden, here's, here's Jesus standing in this boat, and everybody has a front row seat all along the shore. Also, what do you know about water when you're in a boat? Acts like an amplifier. He had one of these things. Acts like an amplifier. And as the breeze came in off those waters, everyone could hear and everyone could see. And Jesus got done teaching, and Jesus said to Peter, Hey, Peter, let's go fishing. And Peter wasn't too excited about the prospect of fishing. Peter was transitioning in his relationship with Jesus because Jesus pursued him. You know... You begin to know God when you're confronted by his power, you're confronted by his love and his grace, and your awareness of your unworthiness of all of that. I don't deserve all of this, you know. That's when you're really beginning to appreciate and understand and get to know who Jesus is. Peter had already been a basic confessional Christian, Joe Christian. He, he made a profession of Jesus Christ. He'd even traveled some with Jesus in, between fishing trips. He'd even traveled some with Jesus. He'd done a few things serving him, but it was clearly he was in charge of his life totally and would fit in Jesus when it was convenient for him to do so. And Jesus was saying, could we just develop a little bit tighter relationship than that, Peter? Just like that grandma who longs for relationship with that grandchild, with that little baby that was in the house. It wasn't enough that he was in the house. She wanted to hold him. She wanted to nurture him. That's who our Heavenly Father is. That's the nature. That's the heart of our Lord. He's always preparing us for the next experience in our life. Do you know that? What was taking place that day with Peter in the boat was not an end. It was the beginning of something new. And Jesus is always into new things. He's always transitioning us in a new way. Peter was being prepared for how the Lord would use him through every stage of life. And that's what God is always lovingly doing to you and to me. But we may not recognize it if we don't understand who he is and his heart and his nature. I like to view life like this. I like to view life like a series of rooms, connected rooms. You start over here in the first room, and you're just a little baby. And as long as you're fed in one end and dry in the other, life doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> That's the highest aspiration you have, right? And then as you move, these are compressed rooms, because we don't know how many rooms we have in life, do we? Some will have many rooms, some won't have as many rooms. But, but as you walk into those next rooms, the rooms get filled with more stuff. They become more complex. There are decisions, there are choices, there are things that happen that we have no control over. There are some rooms that you walk into and you say, nice, I'd like to just stay here. But life keeps moving on, and you can't dwell there. There are some rooms you walk into, and they're dark. They're cold. Maybe even it's pain-filled in that room. And for all of your life, you want to get out of the room, and you can't find the door on the other side. Those are painful rooms that come with life. 
I'm sure that all of you have experienced those delightful rooms. I hope you have. But I'm sure also that many, if not most of us, have experienced the dark room. And maybe some of you are there right now. Here's the thing. How we understand God and who he is and how he's working with us as we go through these rooms makes all the difference in the world in our outlook of life and how we deal and process with those things. Brother, I'm going to ask you to come and help me, if you would. I ask, uh, this is Vanna White, who's going to help me. <laughs> okay, um, your name is? Ed. Not Vanna. Okay, Ed. Ed, come on over here, if you want. Just face that way. All right, Ed, this is, uh, you're representing everybody here. It's a big responsibility, all right? <laughs> and, and, uh, but you're, you're representing everyone else, and these are all the rooms connected. Now, I want you to resist me at first. I'm going to push you from behind. Don't let me push you around, okay? Looks like you can handle that, okay? I'm playing the role of God. <laughs> My message, I get to do this, so, okay? Here's the image that we often have. We, we are in these rooms, and we get this impression, because we don't know who God is, that God's behind us doing this. You ever feel like that? You know, like, God's doing this. No, I, I'm not ready to go there. And God's doing this, and you just keep working. and have this, this big <laughs> tuss of war going on here, you know? And we think, why is God putting me through this? Why is God making me walk? walk there? I'm not ready to do that. God's always pushing me around. Total misconception of God because when that's, that's just an awareness type of concept of God. Maybe even a confessional concept of God. But when you become a disciple of the Lord Jesus, you realize, no, God's not back here doing this. Here's where God is. God is out here. And he's saying, come on, wherever I lead you, I've already been there. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. You will never be alone. I'll lead you, and I will not lead you astray. Thank you. That's the kind of God we need to know that we are serving. Thank you very much for your help. So what level of relationship do you have with the Lord is my question for you today. How easy it would have been for Peter to tell Jesus what he really wanted to tell him that day doesn't say this, but I almost know what Peter was thinking. He's sitting down. Peter's doing one of these things, waiting while Jesus is teaching. And when Jesus sits down, Peter's saying, yes, I get to go home. Get the oars out, ready to go. And Jesus says, hey, let's go fishing. This is what Peter was thinking. It's not in the authorized version. It's in the Randall version, okay? <laughs> Peter wanted to say this. <clears throat> <laughs> you want to go fishing. <laughs> you know, Jesus, you've been raised up a carpenter's kid. You know, you could build tables and chairs. I could never do anything like that because I'm not a carpenter. You see, me, I'm a fisherman. And I know about fishing. And you need to know there's not so much as a minnow out here today. And I don't want to do this. See, that's what he was really thinking. I think we've all probably been there at times, you know. Um, thank God there are times when we do shut up then, huh? And not always say what's on our mind. Peter was pretty good at usually doing that, so this is really a change of character for him because we know this about Peter. He had what I would call a volcanic temperament. I mean, if it entered into his brain, it usually came out, you know. All, right? All of you who are parents, you remember how it is when you have a child and the child, you have to tell the child, it's, we're going to do something, you have to do something. And the child says, but why? 
and you give a very careful, sound explanation, feeling rather good about it. Why? <laughs> and so, well, okay, I'll try this one more time. You, you come up with a, even a more meticulous, <laughs> detailed, rational explanation for why, the answer to the question, and the child says, but why? At that point, you all understand this, right? You know about this? At this point, we realize we do not have a failure here of communication. We have an attitude problem, right? Right? Now, I don't know about you. I confess, I'm confessing now before you. There were a few times when that happened, when finally I said these words. Because I You know it. That's right. Because I'm the cheese, that's why. I'm in charge here, and if nothing else will work, you just need to know I'm bringing it on. You're going to do what I tell you to do, because I say so. I don't know if it fixes anything, but it sure feels good at the moment, doesn't it? All right, that's what happens when someone who is an authority exerts the authority to say, because I say so. Interesting dynamic took place. Peter, who wanted to sound off, who wanted to say all of these things to Jesus, was checked with his tongue. Oh, God, help me to be checked with my tongue. Oh, God, help me. When there are things I want to just... Mm. And the Holy Spirit says, don't do that. Don't do that. The Holy Spirit got a hold of Peter and said, don't do that. Because then showing he was transitioning, Peter said, Master, we've worked hard all night. We've not caught anything. But because you say so, I will do it. What a difference. From the parent who exerts authority, saying, because I say so, to one who submits and says, I don't understand this. This makes no sense. I know all about this stuff. This can't work. But I trust you enough because you say so. I will do it. I will do it. One of the most pivotal verses in all the scripture, I believe. Because it represents a submission on the part of Peter. That because you say so is a volunteered submission to his lordship. Which leads me to the question again to ask you this morning, what kind of relationship do you have? with the Lord. Do you know him? Have you, have you entered that confessional state? Have you confessed him as Lord? Do, do you know him? And as I say that, I'm not talking down to you. I'm in a journey myself, okay? Uh, there's much more for me to learn and know about him. So I'm not saying, hey, look at me. I'm saying, I'm walking with you, okay? So when I ask you the question, I'm asking it back of me. Do I know him? Wow, not like I need to, Lord. I want to be closer to you. I want to know you like I've never known you before in my life. I want to know you so much that my trust in you is supreme. That no matter what comes my way, I can say, but because you say so, Lord, I will be faithful to you. I will follow you. Your relationship ever feel like that shoving match where God is just pushing you from behind? You need to realize anew today that he's actually out in front of you, drawing you, saying, let me go with you, and wherever you go, I am already there. 
you will not be alone. Perhaps some of you are in one of those delightful rooms or in one of those dark rooms today. You are not there alone. If you'll allow him, Jesus will be there with you, knowing what you need. It begins by confessing and acknowledging Christ as Lord and then becoming his follower, his disciple. The word says, they left their boats, nets, and the fish on the shoreline. Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to become fisher, fishers of men. In other words, Jesus is saying, you think this is good? I've got better for you. See, at that point, when Peter hauled in all those fish, his friends came to help him. Can you picture this boat wallowing low in the water, ready to sink? Somebody finally tapped him on the shoulder. Peter, we can't put another fish on this boat or we're all going down. And they got all those fish on the shoreline. I see on this sand, I see this big pile of fish flopping around, you know, sand. And Peter is taking all of this in, pondering, there were no fish out there. And if anybody could find them, I could. There were no fish. And because I just followed and submitted to Jesus, who said, let down my nets for a catch, all of this happened? And the word says that he said to Jesus, just, just go away from me, Lord. I'm, I'm a sin. I'm not even worthy to be in your presence. Again, when you realize how much God loves you, how much God supplies, how much God takes care of you, you realize, I didn't deserve. That's the kind of God that he is. He loves me in that way. I'm going to ask Barbara to come. He's going to sing a song that she wrote. Um, you know, Peter went on to be used mightily of God. Not because he was perfect, I have to quickly add. In fact, one of the things we delight about Peter is that everything is all there and all its ugliness also. He had his times. He made his mistakes along the way but he was passionate about following Jesus. Maybe some of you are at the point where you could feel like Peter before Jesus came. You feel like right now you're in a place in life, you've been working hard and your nets are empty. You're tired. It's not been happening. And you desperately need Peter, or you desperately need Jesus to fill your nets. Maybe some of you could say, Wow, God has been good to me. My nets have been busting. I mean, it's been great. Maybe all you need to do is say, Lord, I not only thank you for this, I'm giving it all back to you now too. I will never own anything the rest of the days of my life. I will be a steward of what you entrust me and what you place in my hand. Help me, Lord, to never put my fingerprints of ownership in anything. I remember the first house that Barbara and I bought. And we dedicated it to the Lord. We had our own dedication service. And part of our service and our prayer was, Lord, though our names are on the mortgage, we will never own this house, even when it's paid for. From day one, you own this house. You own us. You own our lives. Work in your power through us. Barbara sings this song this morning, then Pastor Terry comes. I just invite you to prayerfully reflect upon your relationship with the Lord, how much he really loves you.
from the dead is in us when Christ is in us. Amen? Amen. Beautiful. Thank you, Rick. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Randall. Barbara, that's beautiful. Hey, uh, in, in your program there, you'll see there's a connections slip. I, I don't know about you, but for some of us, uh, there's always something that I take away. I hope you do too every Sunday um, in 35, 40 minutes, whatever it is, that God just speaks something of truth to you. And I want to invite you to think about that just for a moment. And what, what, is, what is the Lord speaking to you that you're going to take away? What's the challenge that you'll take away with and begin to think on, meditate on, 
um, adapt to your life, apply to your life in the next season ahead. And uh, I want to always have this growing awareness of knowledge of Jesus that leads me to fall more in love with him. Not just so I have a lot of head stuff here, but that, that the knowledge fills my heart with my love for him. I mean, that's just a great reminder for me today. And, uh, and I think it's almost a really powerful word for some of you. Today's a brand new day. Maybe it can be a brand new day for you. And maybe you just simply on your connection slip today would say, you know something, I am recommitting my life and my heart to Jesus Christ. Or maybe some of you would say for the first time today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit my life to this Savior that can fill my nets with what I need. Not just what I want, but with what I need. And we invite you just to check that. Uh, there's not a, we, we'll pray here in just a moment that you can kind of make a prayer like that. But it's never a prayer that saves you. It's simply what happens in your heart. That's just to confirm what God's already doing. But uh, let, let's pray. And, and whatever God has spoken to you this morning, allow it to just become embedded in your spirit as we leave today. Father, uh, I, I thank you for these precious people that sit here. And that, Lord, you are speaking to us, not because of a speaker, but because of your spirit. But I thank you, Lord, for the words that uh, Randall has brought to us today and the song that Barbara has sung to us and reminds us it's a brand new day. And Jesus is simply on the shore of every one of our lives to touch, to speak, to heal, to affirm, to confirm, and yes, even to challenge. So as we go forth today, I ask God that you would, uh, would, would speak something of depth that makes a difference in our life. And for that, we give you thanks, and that's why we gather today in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? As I love to do, I just want to conclude with just a simple scripture over you. It's a prayer by Paul, and uh, just allow it to wash over your mind, your soul, and your spirit this morning. Paul said this to the church of Ephesus, For this reason I bow before you, the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. Pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp, to move beyond simple awareness of how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of Christ, Jesus. May that be yours this week. God bless you. You're loved. Have a great day.